Today's guest shares how her traumatic first birth experience helped her learn how to advocate for herself. Instead of repeating the same experience twice, she took charge, hired a doula, changed her birthing location, and had a remarkably different second birth experience. It just was not a personal experience, and I needed to like actually be treated like a real human being, just not another person coming through. I wish I would have known how to really advocate for myself better, how to have my husband advocate for me when I couldn't. Welcome to the Labor Lessons Podcast, real life lessons from real life labor and delivery experiences, offering support and the knowledge that you are not alone on your birthing journey. The purpose of this podcast is to educate based on others' past experiences. It is not intended as medical advice. I'm your host, Carly, C-section mom, VBAC mom, and mom who's simply passionate about birth. Welcome back to the Labor Lessons Podcast. My guest today is Christy Sears Thompson from Colorado. She is a wife, mother of two, and a licensed marriage and family therapist. She has created a relationship coaching program for expectant and new parent couples. She helps to fill in the gaps of what to expect that the birthing and newborn care classes don't prepare you for. And that is so helpful because I feel like having a new baby can put a strain on your relationship uh, that those classes don't really talk about. Uh, Christy's labor lesson is advocate for yourself and have a supportive birthing team in addition to your medical team. Hi, Christy. Welcome to the show. Yeah, Thanks for having me. Glad to be here. Um, why don't you go ahead and get started and tell us how you came to learn this lesson? So I had two birth experiences that were completely different. I have an eight-year-old and an almost three-year-old. So that shows you how much time in between the two it took me to have a second one because I was like, I don't know if I want to do this again. So I had a really actually traumatic birth experience with my first child, um, It was a normal pregnancy. I wasn't of advanced geriatric maternal age or anything. You know, I have no underlying health concerns, Um, but I was treated very medically by doctors and nurses and all of that. I I think like most people who go through a hospital setting um, or your regular OBGYN, you would be. Um, That's just kind of how their lens is. So that was how I was treated. They uh, broke my... Uh, or swept my membranes to induce labor and all of that. And he was born, but it was like a 35-hour-long labor process, which was very long and excruciating. And I went into the hospital thinking, wow, this this baby's going to come pretty quickly because I I started having contractions, I think, about like four in the morning um, on a Sunday morning. And they started getting closer together. I was, um, you know, on a, a bouncy, one of those like big yoga balls, uh, doing my breathing and my husband's counting the time in between the contractions and it's getting shorter. And so he called the doctor and he's like, well, should we come in? And it was about like five minutes in between contractions. So we're like, yeah, come in. So as soon as I got there, stopped, like, I was uncomfortable still, but I was not having regular 
spaced contractions anymore. I think the um, the stress of being in a hospital setting kind of like threw my body off. Um, but they admitted me. And so I was put into the hospital and sat in a bed and 18 hours into it, I finally asked for an epidural because I was like, I'm exhausted and I can't keep doing this. I need to get some sleep because I hadn't slept yet. And they had also told me I couldn't eat anything, you know, for the possibility that I might have to have a C-section. So of course they don't want you to go into surgery with food in your stomach. So all I had was ice chips for this 35 hours of labor. Um, actually it was a lot longer than that because I hadn't eaten <laughs> before, you know, I started contractions at four in the morning. Um, so nothing but ice chips, finally had an epidural at 18 hours in. We didn't really get checked on a lot. Um, the doctor didn't even come until right before my son arrived. Like we didn't even talk to her or see her. We had been seeing the nurses throughout the labor and delivery unit. And uh, that experience in itself was kind of scary and very lonely because I didn't know these people. I didn't know the nurses who honestly were very cruel to me <laughs> in some ways. I felt like I was treated like a, an assembly line or production line kind of item and just moved along of like, okay, well, let's just, you know, keep it going, whatever. It doesn't really matter. We do this every day. I'm like, well, I don't do this every day, right? <laughs> like this is my first, this is my first baby. I don't know what this is like. I had the nurses that I had gave me a horrible experience. I hate saying this because I don't want this to be like a horror story for new moms to experience this. But I, I just, I think that advocating for yourself is so important when you go into having a labor and delivery experience. It doesn't matter if it's in a hospital or a birthing center or your own home. You have to know how to speak up for yourself and your needs because I I probably should have asked for food, really. I'm like, I can't survive on ice chips when I actually need like food and energy to sustain me to do a, a labor. I mean, it's like running a marathon. It's hard though, but you're as a first time mom, and I, I think the majority of first time moms who birth in hospitals go through this, where you don't know that you can be in control of your situation. Well, certain things in your situation, you you defer to the doctors and the nurses because you assume that they have your best interests or they know what's best for you. Well, yeah, it's their job, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But it's also their job for like hundreds of people throughout the week. And so you're just another number. And yeah. that's where I felt like it just was not a personal experience. And I needed to like actually be treated like a real human being, just not another person coming through. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think a lot of women walk out of their first time birth experience feeling like that, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, can you tell us what you did differently for your second birth? Well, why don't you... Go ahead. Continue with that story a little bit more. Um, <laughs> and then know. we'll talk about and then we'll talk about maybe some changes you might have made for the second one. <laughs> oh, I mean, it's a whole 180 for the second one. Um, but the, the nurse experience was really honestly, it was traumatizing because <clears throat> we had some nurses on our floor or whatever who. I think they had been doing it way too long and probably should have been retired years ago because they were very grumpy about their jobs and not nurturing at all. 
if we had had the other staff that was there during the night shift, I think it would have been a much better experience. But our day shift nur- nurses who switched on um, after the night shift were awful. When I was actively pushing, in labor pushing, trying to get a baby out of my body, the nurse left with no explanation, didn't send anybody in her place for 20 minutes. And I was alone with my husband and our birth photographer, each one of them holding one of my legs. Neither of them, my birth photographer had never had children. (laughs) My husband had never had children. I'd never had children. We were three people who had never had babies before trying to figure out, okay, do I push now? I feel like I need to push. (laughs) So yeah, 20 minutes of being left alone with nobody coming to check on us um, or to replace the nurse who had to do whatever she had to do. Like I realized she has a job, you know, she's got other people and things to attend to, but at least if someone is in active labor like that, you have got to have a a medical professional present. That's not okay. It's not okay at all. I had been given an epidural, like I said, at about 18 hours in. So my legs were jelly. I had (laughs) no like strength or ability to get out of bed by myself. So after my son was delivered and they were cleaning him up and all of that, I was like, oh, I feel like I really need to use the bathroom. I have to pee. (laughs) Um, And they had taken a catheter out already. Um, And I told the nurses a few times, I was like, I really have to pee and I can't get out of bed. They're like, just wait, just wait a few more minutes, wait a few more minutes. I'm like, I don't know how much longer I can wait. I have not peed in a while. I just put a baby out into the world. So I waited as long as I could. I ended up peeing in the bed. And when that happened, I literally was yelled at and shamed by the nurse for peeing in the bed because then it was more work for her to have to do to clean to clean the bed and take the sheets off of the bed. She didn't even clean me, um, left my socks on that were now soaked in urine. That's terrible. It was awful. It was completely, completely traumatizing and awful. Um, we had many, many complaints to make about that experience to the hospital after the fact. I hope you made them too. Oh, I did. Good. <laughs> Very loudly. Good. <laughs> Very loudly. I feel like uh, that's a terrible experience. I feel like I don't want to say a lot of women, but I feel like a lot of women have terrible first birth experiences. And it's the time of your life where it's supposed to be the best experience should be the best experience for you. Like the first time you become a mom is a once in a lifetime moment for you. And a lot of women find that the best day of their life is paired with the worst day of their life. Would you say that's a fair analysis for you? Absolutely. And I I wish I would have known how to really advocate for myself better, how to have my husband advocate for me when I couldn't. And so that second time around, it took about five and a half years um, to actually feel brave enough to do it again um, and not traumatized was I I was like, I'm going to look into getting a doula because I need somebody who is going to be an impartial third party who's there to advocate for me if I need them to. Like, they're going to be the one to be like, no, give her some space or give her some snacks or (laughs) whatever it might be. Um, I'm really, really glad 
for getting a doula. I would have done that a thousand times if I had even thought about that as an option, honestly. And I, I was like, you know, I, I thought maybe it was like a waste of money, but it really wasn't. Ladies, do you find that your husband or boyfriend says insensitive or ridiculous things to you while pregnant? Well, you're not alone. It's time for Ridiculous Things My Husband Has Said to Me While Pregnant. This week's ridiculous thing comes from a woman named Doreen. She says that at one of her prenatal appointments, they told her that her baby weighed five pounds. Her husband looked at her and said, then why are you gaining so much? Oh man, oh man, that's the second one we've had where the guy has asked why she's gaining so much weight. Oh man. If you have a ridiculous thing that your husband or boyfriend has said to you while pregnant, email me at laborlessons at gmail.com. Don't forget to tell me your name and where you're from. Yours could be in the next episode. Tell me about how did you find out about a doula? So you weren't aware of a doula the first time around or you were aware, but you were like, uh, do I really need one? Exactly. I think I was aware and I was like, well, that just seems like an extra like added cost when a birth is already an expensive process in the United States as it is. Um, I don't really want to spend extra money on a person who I don't really know what they're going to do. Like they're just going to hang around. My husband's there. It's not like he's going to be in the waiting room smoking cigars like in the old days. You know, my, my husband's there. He's going to help me, you know, all those things. But he also was a first time person who had never had a baby. Like he didn't really know. And he was tired too. He's trying to stay up with me and comfort me and hold my hand and all of those things. And he can't be you know, taking care of himself either. And a doula was a great addition to our support and advocacy team because she is able to say, Hey, I got this. You go take a break. You to my partner, like you go to the bathroom, you go get something to eat. Like this is, I got this It's fine. So that was really helpful. I think a doula, honestly, just more for my partner than for me, because he also needed a break. Um, and also the second time around, I was so traumatized by the whole hospital setting. I, I went and did some more like hospital tours of like different hospitals. And I, I was like having a panic attack thinking, I don't want to be in the same kind of position like I was before where I am treated so poorly by these nurses and I don't know these people. So I uh, opted to go to a birthing center instead. So I got to know all of the people who were going to be possibly there because they only had a small amount of staff of midwives and nurses. So I got to meet every single person who was going to be a possible person who was going to be birthing my child. And it was a way better experience, much more comfortable. I was nervous about not getting an epidural, but it ended up not being a problem because I gave birth so much more quickly. Um, And I wasn't so exhausted because I was a lot more at ease and comfortable in that setting. I think that's really something that helped a lot was just that comfort of knowing I'm safe here. I know the people here. The actual room was really comfortable and we had a doula present. I had snacks, you know, like (laughs) it made it so, so much better. Well, I feel like a birth center is more conducive for that anyway, like to help progress labor. Like it's, calm and quiet and dim lights and like you said as opposed to like a sterile cold bright lights you know people in and out of your room that you don't know you know while you're like 
vulnerable and you're out there, you know? Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, they did a really good job of leaving us alone for the most part. And they were like, we know like what the signs are. We don't need to keep checking on you. They didn't hook you up to any monitors or anything to keep checking the beeping of the monitors. They encourage you to move around and not just lay down on your back. So I, I am 100% an advocate of a birthing center, if at all possible to go there, because I think most birthing centers I know of that are at least like accredited birthing centers are way more conducive, like you said, to that easing and gentle process of a laboring person rather than a hospital setting. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. For someone who maybe doesn't have the option of going to a birth center, what do you think are some good ways that they can advocate for themselves in a hospital? Uh, I mean, if you have the access to a doula, really, I, it's an added cost, but it's so worth it. It really is um, because that is just that additional person who can help you out, who's a professional, who knows what they're doing and how to um, navigate around medical community a little bit better because they do it. You know, that's their, that's their job. They work with medical professionals all the time, whereas maybe you and your partner don't. So they know the things to ask for and they, and you give them your at least birth plan guide (laughs) so that they can help you stick to that as best as possible rather than trying to do medical interventions, which may not even be necessary. Yeah, I agree with that. Also, I think a doula is a big, a big help. Do you have any other advice for advocating for yourself, possibly without a doula? Like looking back at your first time birth experience, if you, I know it's, you know, hindsight, if you had to do that over again, like what do you think you might do a little bit differently? Other than getting a doula, um, I probably, I probably would have researched a little bit more different hospital settings rather than just the one that was closest to me because I was so nervous about having to travel far and being in labor in a car for a long time. But I think if I had looked around at different hospitals, I probably could have found a much less traumatizing experience than that particular hospital that I went to. Um, So maybe just doing a few tours um, and talking to the staff who work there at the hospital and not committing to one hospital if you have the opportunity, if there's more than one around you, getting to know the different doctors who might be on staff or the nurses who might be on staff, that could be really helpful too, because then you're not left alone with strangers who are yelling at you for peeing in the bed. (laughs) Yeah. When they didn't help you to the bathroom when you asked. Yeah. (laughs) Right. When I asked multiple times for like 30 minutes. That's, that's a disgrace. Um, Did the hospital ever, I'm curious, did the hospital ever follow up with your complaints? Uh, They apologized. Did they ever like get in contact with you? They, they? They apologized, but there was no like, action plan for what to do differently. So I don't know that those nurses are even still on rotation. They may be retired at this point. Um, So I'm hoping they kind of are because they really shouldn't be there anymore. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So I'm guessing your second birth was a lot better for you than the first one. Way, way better. And, And I feel like if I could have had that as a first experience, we probably would have had a second child a lot sooner. Um, but yeah, my, my second birth experience was really lovely. No medication or epidural because that wasn't a possibility in the birthing center, which I was nervous about, but it ended up being really empowering, honestly. 
And I, I had a water birth as well. So they had those big birthing tubs in the birthing center. Um, that was also like such a huge relief physically on my body. Um, that felt a lot better than laying on my bed, like on my back in a bed. That is just not a natural position to give birth in. Your first birth was traumatic. Can you tell me a little bit about like what was postpartum like for you after that experience? Like how did you heal from that and then come back and have a more positive birth the second time around? Hmm. The short story is I developed postpartum anxiety after my first Um, which I believe was really undiagnosed and I thought was kind of normal to just be on edge about things a lot. Um, I knew I was prone to depression, having depression prior to even being pregnant. So I was more on the lookout for that than the anxiety piece of it. Um, But having developed postpartum anxiety, I learned actually that's actually a lot more common than postpartum depression. There's just various degrees of the anxiety and it's not really screened for very well. How I got through it was I went to my own therapist, which I waited probably too long to go to. My son was probably about 14 months old at the time when I started doing some postpartum therapy finally. Um, But it was hard because I didn't feel like I could go. I didn't feel like I could leave him. Um, part of the anxiety, right? (laughs) Um, and with my, with my healing in that, it took a little bit of time, but I feel like I was able to get through it with the, um, the therapy that I did. I built community and support for myself so I didn't feel so isolated and alone. Um, and that really helped. And with my second, uh, my second child, who's my daughter, uh, I, did not develop postpartum anxiety or depression. Um, I had a community and support system in place before she was born so that I made sure that I stuck with that and it didn't feel isolating again. Um, And I think that really helped that second time around. Mm. That's awesome. Um, Do you have any ways you could recommend to help build that community and support? So uh, most people have access to the internet and are on Facebook. Uh, So if there are any moms groups in your area, those are usually going to be good places to start um, because you're going to find, or maybe even meetup.com. Meetup is actually, I created my own group on meetup after my son was born. So I was like, I need some moms like me. Um, But Either Meetup or Facebook are good places to find that like solidarity with other moms and parents who are in that same stage of life if you don't have that already. Um, I really don't think we're meant to go through this alone. It's too hard. We need that village that has been kind of taken from us in, in this culture that we have now. We, we need to bring that back in some ways, as small as it may be. We don't have that built-in community anymore, so we have to kind of, again, advocate for ourselves um, and make sure that we have community support and friend support, babysitters that we can trust and lean on, daycare that might be a possibility, um, and balanced time with your own partner. If you're in a relationship with somebody having a child together, that your partner is also partaking in this support for you and your needs as well, Um, because it can't just be you being the only parent here. That's awesome. Awesome advice. 
um, can you tell me a little bit about the work that you do with new parents and expecting parents? Yeah. So it, my work as a licensed marriage and family therapist and a relationship coach is focused on that new parent or expectant parent time because it is one of the two most stressful times in a couple's life cycle. One is when they have kids for the first time, uh, and the second is after their kids leave the home. So when they become empty nesters, is that second really stressful time for them. But I wanted to get more proactive rather than reactive with couples um, because I see a lot of the good work that I have been doing in premarital counseling. I wanted to focus that more towards the pre-baby counseling, if, if that's a thing. I want to make that a thing because I found that it was really important to get those foundation things good and strong so that when a baby enters the dynamic of the family, I mean, a, a baby is basically like a bomb that blows up a family system. It really is. It's adding another person into a relationship and it is very stressful. Um, and if you have any kind of cracks in your relationship where things are not going well between you, a baby is probably not going to bring those things together. It's just going to spread them apart even more. So my goal in working with people is to get them on the same page about things, get them communicating better, con uh, conflict management, not resolution, but managing the conflict a lot better and trying to figure out those really stressful times together rather than separately and tag teaming. Because I think there's some value to tag teaming, but that's not a sustainable solution. There's got to be a we're in this together team mentality. Um, so that's how I approach the work that I do is more that proactive idea. Do you do you do like in person or is this online also? I do both. Yeah. So I do virtual um, coaching. I'm actually today I'm here in my office in Colorado. Um, but I, I do both. Okay. Do you have a website I can direct sure. our listeners to? Yeah. So if people are interested, they can go to thepartnerhood.com. I've written a workbook that actually goes along with these different ideas of things to pay attention to. There are really just five separate areas to pay attention to with your partner so that you can build that health and strength in your relationship moving forward as your family grows. Um, that workbook is just called The Partnerhood Workbook. It's on Amazon or you can get it also on Kindle. Um, and actually all of the material that's in the workbook, plus more information as I'm continuing to grow the program, I'm creating an app to go along with the program as well. So be on the lookout in the next probably few months for an app to come out on both the Apple and the Google app stores. Okay, awesome. Christy, thank you so much for being here with us today and sharing your story. Yeah, I'm really glad to be here. Thank you so much. If you have a labor lesson to share and would like to be a guest on the show, email me at laborlessons at gmail.com. If you enjoy listening to the podcast, please leave a rating and a review on your favorite podcast listening app. This encourages other people to listen and allows us to keep having great guests. Thank you for listening.